everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Views from the John podcast. I am your host, John Erez, and welcome to episode number 47. <sighs> this is what I'm up against today. Today happens to be a Thursday morning. This is my third attempt to now record your weekly podcast. The first attempt, it went 50 minutes 50 minutes and I didn't get past the first topic. So I said, I can't spend 50 minutes on one topic. Especially considering all I'm doing is ranting and bitching, right? So I stopped it and I decided to start over. I said, I ain't gonna fucking get caught up. So I made it to topic number two and then I went off the rails and spent another 50 minutes on another rant. So now this is the third attempt to record a podcast that's going to be short and go through a couple different subjects as opposed to getting stuck on one. So I think the first two topics I was going to talk about, I'm just going to skip because I can't talk about them and then just move on. I'm going to be here for an hour. So I guess we're literally going to have to throw those two um, topics away. But the first topic was... Tom McDonald. Tom McDonald is a country hip-hop artist, I guess you can say. He released a song earlier this week that's got millions upon millions of views and likes, and it's called uh, People So Stupid. And what I love about it is I love when people stand up for whatever they believe in. Uh, there's a lot of people right now too afraid to stand up for what they believe in because of all the people on the far left that are standing up for what they believe in. So they feel like if they stand up, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people out there afraid to speak their mind, but the silent majority will rule, okay? So if you haven't listened to the Tom McDonald about people being so stupid, go listen to it because the first two podcasts, I attempted to read you the first verse of the lyrics. And the lyrics are so good and so powerful, and they talk such shit about everything everybody can't stand right now that I literally had to stop and go on a rant after everything he said. Because what he says in the song is just, it, it's undeniable, unless you're literally in that 5% group who is a social justice warrior and you belong to Antifa, or you're part of the LGBTQ, or you're part of cancel culture, or you're one of those 40-year-old men that still live in your parents' basement on your computer on Twitter all day fucking trolling people. You know what I'm saying? Those people aren't going to like the song. But the 90, 95% of good, God-fearing Americans that aren't racist just like me, and aren't sexist, and aren't homophobic, but yet we're constantly called it, you're going to love this song. It's by an artist called Tom McDonald, and the name of the song is People So Stupid. Take a look at the video on YouTube or wherever, and just listen to the lyrics. They're incredible. I can't tell you them because then this top podcast will turn into just that. So, um, with that being said, I'm going to have to skip ahead. And I was talking about talking about this next topic last week with a friend of mine and I was like dude I can't talk about this topic because people are going to look at me like I'm a serial killer if I explain what I did as a kid and he's like dude I'm telling you it's going to be funny more people do this or did this than you know and I'm all about self-deprecating comedy when I first started my comedy career almost a year ago I was, uh, I, was, I was going about it wrong. 
I was trying to be funny. I was trying to write jokes. And the topics I was going after were way too hardcore for the liberal city that I live in. When I took a lot of those same jokes down to New York City in February, I got a lot more laughs. But, I, but this is the area I live in right now. It's extremely liberal and uptight. So I need to come up with some material and a different method to my stand-up that could literally make any room laugh, whether it's a liberal room, a, a democratic room, a Republican room, um, Showtime at the Apollo, like an all-black room, whatever room I'm in, I can get a laugh. And the way you do that is by self-deprecating comedy. I don't mind deprecating all over myself. This is how we learn. There's plenty of mistakes I've made in my life, plenty of embarrassing stuff, but I'm man enough to where I don't give a shit to, you know, to tell you. I won't be embarrassed. We all step in shit. We've all shit our pants. You know what I'm saying? None of us are perfect. But it's about having the balls to be able to get onto a TV like I am right now and tell the whole world about some of the embarrassing shit that I've had to go through in my life. But that's just it. Nobody can be triggered by it. It's my story. I did it. So the only, you know what I'm saying? So that's why I think self-deprecating comedy is really the best type of comedy because I'm not talking about people having gender identity crises and I'm not talking about this or that. It's like, you know, I'm talking about cookies here or whatever. Who can get offended at cookies, you know? It's, it, it's, it's me I'm making fun of and nobody else, okay? So with that said, let's get into something here. When I was growing up, I lived in my parents' basement. We, we had a ranch house up here in the Northeast United States. And up here in the Northeast, most houses have basements. And uh, our basement wasn't like Freddy Krueger's basement. It was completely furnished. It was just like another floor, but it still was a basement, you know? Had drywall, had drywall ceilings, recessed lighting. It looked like another floor. You just happened to be under the ground but yet it still is a basement. Most basements have something called a bulkhead. A bulkhead is like concrete stairs that go from the ground level outside, maybe in your backyard, down into the basement. And our basement, or our, our bulkhead doors, when you walked down them from the back deck, went into my father's workshop. My father uh, builds, he's a carpenter. He literally has a workshop in our basement where he builds and has table saws and every tool and it's great and that's where I learned how to you know build and fix stuff from my father like most people should so anyways during the summer months of me living down in the basement occasionally a bug or two would somehow crawl into the basement through a crack in the bulkhead door or the bulkhead itself right and you got to understand, if you've ever lived in a basement, it is one of the best places to live, especially if it's furnished like mine was, because when you're in a basement, it's always like cool in the summertime. You don't need any, um, you don't need any air conditioning in a basement. It's subterranean. It's always cool. It's always dark and it's always quiet. So if you love sleeping like I do, it could literally be two in the afternoon and it's pitch dark in the basement. It's quiet and it's cool year-round it's perfect for sleeping but here's where it goes off the rails and okay i probably had to be anywhere between grade six and grade nine 
or grade four and grade nine. Somewhere in that range, I was living in my parents' basement and I loved sleeping for all the reasons I just listed. In this one in particular night, everything changed. I was sleeping in the basement and I was woken up to a strange sound. And you gotta remember, the basement is literally silent. Sometimes silence is deafening, right? So when you have a sound in complete silence and you're sleeping in that silence and then there's a sudden sound, you're gonna wake up. And what did I wake up to? I woke up to this. Uh, how do I fucking do it? Uh, you know what that is? It's a cricket. I woke up to a cricket. The loudest cricket known to man had made it into my basement and was somewhere outside of the door to my room. And it woke me up. And let me tell you, when you're a teenager and you wake my ass up, when I'm in that like basement coffin, I'm pissed. So like three o'clock in the morning, I'm woken up. And I sit up in bed and I hear whatever that fucking cricket noise is. And I'm like, you better be shitting me. A cricket just woke my ass up. I was pissed, okay? Now, I know most people might just be like, oh, there's an innocent cricket in the basement. We're gonna fall asleep to the sound of crickets. Nope, didn't do that. Other people might be annoyed like I was and they would go try to track down the cricket and then maybe they would capture the cricket and then release it outside. Nope, I didn't do that. I was vengeful. I was pissed off that a cricket had the audacity to come down into my basement and wake my ass up at three o'clock in the morning. So when that fucker woke me up, I made it my mission to track that fucker down. And when I tracked him down, do you think I just stepped on him? Mm-mm. That, that, that would have been too easy. You just woke me up. A simple kill or a slap on the face isn't retribution enough for me, man. That cricket's got to pay. <laughs> so I took the cricket into my father's workshop, where I then spent the next maybe 15 to 20 minutes torturing this cricket, little by little. A little bit of, uh, you know, silicone spray on it to get it all fucked up. Then I think I might have put it in like some vice grips and then like started to gently like pick off every one of its legs. <laughs> I would torture this cricket, torture it. And then eventually I think it would just literally die from being tortured. And I was really debating whether I would ever tell that story on the air or tell that story in stand-up because I think people are gonna look at that story and say, dude, torturing crickets when you're a kid is probably what like uh, David Koresh or like uh, Ted Bundy did, you know? And I don't wanna be looked at like I'm some kind of fucking serial killer dude. I was just upset that, a f that something woke me up. And because it's just, I mean, don't tell me for a second that when you're a kid that you didn't fuck with animals or whatever, you know? And I'm not talking like a dog. I'm talking like, as a kid, you didn't take a magnifying glass in the sun and put it to, and put it to an ant. Nobody else did that. 
Bullshit. Everyone I talked to did it. And even the kid I brought this up to said, I got a story worse than that. You torture and crickets, dude, is nothing. Everyone does it. You're not Ted Bundy. So it's just because of him I'm telling the story. So uh, yeah, I would torture crickets. And that wasn't the first time. I would say maybe three, four times a year, there would be a cricket that would make it down to my basement. And that cricket would get found every time, even if it took me an hour. And it wouldn't just be a quick death. That cricket would fucking pay for waking my ass up. And I think back on that now as an adult, and I literally look at myself like I was a psychopath. And that's why I'm so apprehensive about telling that story. But like I said, I know other kids and people did stuff like that stupidly as an adult. Nowadays, if I see an anthill or I find a cricket or a ladybug in my house, I literally let it be, okay? It's just part of growing up and maturing. But when you're a young kid and you're pissed off, you've been woken up, you'll do that kind of shit to a squirrel. Now, if a, a dog had made it down to my basement, do you think I would have done that to a dog? Of course not, okay? You gotta understand. I know they're all of God's creatures, but you can't compare an ant to a dog or a cricket to a cat, okay? I would never torture a cat or a dog or anything like that. But I have stepped on, uh, you know, uh, a grasshopper once or twice by accident, or maybe even on purpose. I don't know. Kill me. You've done it too. Don't tell you haven't. And I know PETA, if they're watching this, are going to get pissed. But that's a good question. Does PETA care about insects? Do they care about killing flies? Because my father was literally a fly-killing assassin. That's what we called him. You know how many pictures I have of my father from growing up with him in a fly swatter in his hand? I'm telling you, if a fly got into my father's house, it meant war. He would sit there with that fly swatter like it literally was Vietnam, and that fly could not live. <laughs> any bug, any insect, and maybe that's where I get it from. We don't like bugs in our family, at least not inside the house. A fly wants to land on me outside, or a mosquito, or a bee, whatever, you know? But inside the house is my turf, and there ain't no insects coming into this house, especially no ants. But that's a serious question. Does anybody here support or belong to PETA? Because this is an honest-to-God question. Does PETA care about ants, and do they care about grasshoppers, or do they only care about, like, things with a heartbeat? Or do ants have heart? I don't fucking know, dude. Seriously, but seriously, where, where does PETA start? Does PETA take it all the way from an ant up? Or does it just start with, like, uh, squirrels and up, you know? Where does, where does PETA draw the line? And is PETA going to be mad at me? And are they going to be mad at this next one? This gentleman was supposed to be on my podcast today, but unfortunately, I canceled him. Okay, and that's another story. But before I canceled him off of today's podcast, he did tell me a story. And he didn't get into too many details, but the story had me rolling. Because when I was telling him the story about me torturing crickets, magnifying ants, dropping golf balls from a 20 feet height onto frogs' heads, me and a buddy Brian did that when we were kids. Obviously, we're you know, it's terrible to think about now, but we were kids. Kids do stupid shit, right? And he was like, dude, that's nothing. Get ready for this. Because when I heard him say this, I lost my shit laughing. And hopefully you do too. Because when I'm talking about, you know, taking magnifying glasses to crickets or an ant or whatever, or, you know, pouring gas down a, 
ant hole that's in the middle of your yard or whatever. That's, that's all something kids have done. So when he says to me, dude, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. That's not Ted Bundy or, you know, David Koresh shit. Kids do that. He's like, I got one better for you. And when he's trying to say he's got one better, I'm thinking that like maybe he took like a magnifying glass to like a mouse or, 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 or like a centipede or something like that. No. You know what the dude says to me? And I want to get this right. Um, you ready? This gentleman that I know, and this is the God's honest truth according to him, but when he was little, he beat a chameleon to death with a wooden spoon. <laughs> How do you beat a giant lizard to death with a wooden spoon? It, 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 when he first told me that, I mean, I've heard it so many times now, I'm not laughing as hard as I did the first time, but he literally did that. This kid that I know literally beat a chameleon to death with a wooden spoon because I think he was afraid of it. I'm not sure how the big the chameleon was, but maybe it was small. I don't know. I think of a, of a chameleon as being like this big, like, tegu lizard or whatever. But just picturing somebody, like a kid, like beating a chameleon or a lizard with a wooden spoon, it just put this vision in my head, like, oh my God, dude. Who beats a lizard with a wooden spoon? <laughs> like, I thought I was fucked up, okay, torturing crickets, but this dude is literally beating chameleons with a spoon. So now I feel better, okay? So, yeah. I tortured crickets. I magnified ants with a magnifying glass, which would set them on fire. Me and a buddy used to live near a golf course. There was a lot of golf balls in the woods. And one day we were walking down the street and there's a hole a golf course hole right along the road and we happen to come to this little culvert right to where you stand over it and you look down and there's like a brook and a little pond or whatever and some frogs were hanging out on top of the rocks about a 20 foot drop from the road and because we had found some golf balls we thought hey what if we were just to drop the golf ball from this height do you think we could hit the frog and my buddy brian on his first attempt just dropped the golf ball didn't throw it just dropped it and just let gravity, oh shit, and just let gravity take it. And the golf ball hit the frog square in the head. And then the frog just instantly, like he was shot, like it was a dude, just instantly fell backwards and just plopped right in the water, legs out, dead. And I don't know, this was back in the day when Beavis and Butthead were um, playing frog baseball where they would literally pick up a frog and like hit it with a baseball bat <laughs> so it's kind of like that tom mcdonald song he's like everybody's being me too because they touched a booby or a boob but yet what do you expect when they were going to hooters after school what do you expect about me and my friend dropping golf balls on a frog when we grew up with beavis and butthead playing frog baseball right i, I don't know but this is what you get. This is what you get. So hopefully, um, there's other people out there that can identify with me, okay? So I don't feel so alone. Have you tortured a cricket? Have you set fire to an ant? So I don't feel so alone? Hopefully. But yeah, can you imagine a guy beating a chameleon to death with a wooden spoon? 
But anyways, I'm wondering about PETA still. Is PETA going to be mad at me? Do they care about killing flies? Oh, which just brought up another great thing. I want you to try this. Me and my buddy Mike, before he moved to Seattle, did this a couple years ago at his house. Didn't even know this existed, okay? Um, I was at his house one day. He's got this huge living room, uh, and there must have been 10 flies in his living room. It was crazy. They were just all over the place. And I'm like, dude, what are all these flies in here doing? He's like, watch, I keep them in here. They get into the house, but I just keep them because I fuck with them. And I'm like, how do you fuck with flies? He's like, watch this. So the fly is just, you know, a fly, tons of flies in his house, just flying, you know, around his living room. And he goes and he grabs a fly out of the thin air, right? So a fly is flying by him and he goes and he captures the fly in his uh, palm. He, he, he didn't squeeze it, it's, just, it's still alive, but he has it in like his fist. So he captures a fly out of the air and he holds it in his fist. Doesn't squeeze it, so it, he squishes it. It's just, it's just caught in his um, fist. And then he takes his fist, almost like he's got a baseball in it, and he throws the fly as hard as he can at the ground. And you can hear the fly actually hit the ground. And what it does is it knocks the fly unconscious for a few minutes. So the fly will be laying there on its back. It's not dead. It's just literally knocked unconscious because you threw it at the ground and it hit its head or whatever. And then you'll see the fly after like 15 seconds to a couple minutes like start to come to. It'll start to wake up from its grogginess, and then it eventually will flip itself over, and it will re, you know, and it will like regain its wits, and then it will start flying again. And then he'll go and he'll grab another one out of the air, and he'll take it and throw it as hard as he can at the ground, knock that fly unconscious, and this is what we did for like an hour, laughing our balls off. We were catching flies in our hand, and then throwing them at the wall or the ground to knock them unconscious. So I'm wondering, if anyone out there is from PETA, or you're from PETA and you're watching me, does that trigger you? I want to know, and I guess I could look this up, but I don't want to, because I don't care. You know, I, I love animals, I really do. I don't like when people mess with animals because animals are innocent, they're just trying to live, but let's not, let's not get it twisted. You ever seen alligators, uh, you know, go after like a, like a caribou or whatever? Mother nature is cruel. You want to see one of the most craziest videos you'll ever watch? Go onto YouTube and type in giant centipede feeding on a live mouse. That's just nature. Nature is fucking crazy, okay? There's beautiful, cuddly creatures that we would love to have as pets that literally maul each other, okay? So, um... That's what I don't understand, okay? So, cats and dogs and domesticated pets I really don't like when people fuck with them, right? But when you're talking about hunting a deer or a bear or whatever, I don't care, okay? We've been hunting for millions of years. I eat meat. I realize it comes from a cow, okay? I used to drink milk until I started shitting myself from lactose intolerant, but it didn't matter that it came from the titty of a cow. I don't get upset. When I think of the acronym PETA, I don't even know what it stands for other than people eating tasty animals is like the you know making fun of acronym they've come up with so i don't support PETA in any way shape or form but i do support like the mspca and the sarah mclaughlin music when they're showing all the dogs chained up with, with the sad music that's fucked up man but in in terms of all the other animals you know whatever it's like people want to keep that that 
cute little one-year-old chimpanzee in their house, right? And then a couple years later, that chimpanzee could literally rip your face off, and they have, you know? They're cute and cuddly, but they're also, you know, beasts. So I want to know, how far does PETA go? How far does PETA go down the list? Do they care about everything, including, like, you know, microscopic worms and that kind of stuff, and ants and, like, murder hornets? Or do they just start with, like, marsupials and go up? Curious. All right. Um, because I skipped over the first two topics that were taking up the whole podcast, now I'm kind of left with a little bit of room to fill some shit in. So uh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. I brought this up, I want to say, maybe 10 months ago on my podcast. If you were to go through my podcast from last October or last November, you'd probably see this. But I'm one of those people that believes in a lot of uh, a lot of things that I guess other people don't believe. Like I believe that we've had UFO technology since the 1940s. But it's not going to be until maybe a year from now that they actually reveal that we have this technology and they're going to make it seem like they just stumbled upon it. So I'm a firm believer that they cured baldness years ago, that they cured cancer years ago, that there's a cure for the common cold out there. Uh, but the reason that they don't show us the cure is because it's not profitable for them. And the people that run the whole world and run the country, all these elitists with trillions of dollars, all they care about is money and power. The reason why they will never find a cure for cancer, even though it's been cured a million times over, is because the treatment in treating cancer is way more profitable for the trillionaires than curing it is. And God forbid if those trillionaires that keep the cure for cancer hidden, God forbid if they can't afford their 12th yacht, you know, you got to have 16 houses and we got to get that 12th yacht while we let all the people that have people that they love around them dying of a terrible disease. I'm working on my 13th yacht that literally costs like $80,000 to run for a day. In some of us, it would take us two years of back-breaking work to pay for what it costs to operate a yacht in one day. And some of these people got like 13 of them. And these are the same people that are saying, F you if your mother or your brother or your kid is dying of cancer. I'm going to keep that cure from you because it benefits my wallet. Do you believe in that theory? Great. So do you think it's possible that there's a lot more shit going around in the country and in the world that uh, they may be not telling us about? I do. So when I believe in the fact that we have all sorts of crazy technology that we've never been told about because the masses and those in power don't think we need to know about it, right? Only they need to know. Only they need to be rich and only they need to be protected. So don't tell me in all this crazy technology that we've come up with over the last 50 years, 60 years, 80 years, that we couldn't invent some things that could help mankind. We keep working on the latest pill to make your hair regrow, to make your boner last longer. But don't tell me that they couldn't invent a gun 
or even invent a bomb that rather than having chemicals in it or bombs, it would shoot love at people. Laugh at it. Laugh at it. It sounds hippie as fuck, right? But don't tell me we can't do that. Don't tell me that we don't have the technology ra that rather than dropping a bomb on the Taliban or ISIS or any village that we feel like bombing, don't tell me that we couldn't drop a chemical that would just make those people feel love. Have you ever felt overwhelming love and compassion? It makes your hatred go away. People only reach for their guns and get violent when, when, when they just lose their mind and shit. But when you're happy and you're relaxed and you're in love and in a great mood, you don't want to fight, right? So don't tell me that we need to blow people up, that we don't have the technology to come up with a potion that we could literally shoot somebody with or we could drop a, a bomb on them with that would literally give them the feeling of overwhelming love. And it might make them drop their guns. I know that sounds ridiculously hippie-ish and stupid, but don't tell me that we don't have the technology to make a love gun or a love bomb. We do. But you got to understand that dropping a love bomb or creating a love gun doesn't benefit the trillionaires around this planet that literally run everything. So they're not going to do it. Just like they're never going to release a cure to cancer because it doesn't benefit them. It'll make them lose money. But you guarantee damn well that if one of these elitists get cancer, huh, the, the cure gets flown into them, right? I'm telling you people, if there was a book that were just to come out tomorrow that would reveal everything that has been told to you that was a lie, or that they just didn't bother telling you, this whole country would just revolt overnight. That's why they're never gonna release this information. But don't think for a second that, it, that there hasn't been shit left out of our history books, that there isn't uh, a greater force at work behind everything happening in America right now. And to see it, you just literally need to remove your head from your ass, get out of the Trump syndrome or the Biden syndrome and just take a deep breath and look. Just step back from it. Like the whole, everything that's going on in the country is literally here. And you're looking at it from different angles. And when you do, it becomes clear. Okay? And what gets me frustrated is that to me, it's so simple to do. But I have to also understand that to some people, I guess it's not. And I don't know. I wish there was something I could do to help you. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I feel. Um, okay. Real quick. This is a funny one. I'm, I'm trying to keep things light here, people. But, I mean, you know... This is, this is something I got my buddy laughing the other day. He's like, dude, why don't you do that on stage? He's like, well, you know, and I'm like, well, I am. I just, I, I'm not ready to get back on stage. Not ready yet. You know, Bill Burr, he just uh, performed at Camp Chappelle. And uh, before he performed at Camp uh, Chappelle, he had to go do a couple outdoor gigs that were less than stellar just because he hadn't done it for so long. I'm the same way. 
If I was asked to do a show next week, I would do it, but I would need to get up three or four times before in order to revise my set right now that I'm working on. And there aren't any open mics going on in Massachusetts. You know, uh, stores and everything are open, but indoor gatherings and trying to set stuff up outside, it, it's, it's super complicated still. So I haven't been up since March, and uh, I was asked to do a show recently, and I said no, just because I'm still too green in this business, and I don't want to go up there with my old act, because my old act, even the best material I had, I think what I have now blows it out of the water. And I'm not going to do it on camera for you. I won't even do virtual mics. Virtual mics are like getting onto a Zoom, uh, like a Zoom call with 50 other people, and then like doing my stand-up through the camera right now, and it, it doesn't work. It's like I'm here alone. It doesn't matter if I have 50 people staring back at me on a computer screen. I need to be on the stage, in the moment, with physical people in front of me looking at me. I need that instant feedback. You, you, you don't get it from doing a mic in a parking lot on an amp. You don't get it by doing it virtually through Zoom. I don't like those mics. I have to be on stage. And if it's another six months to a year before I'm back on stage, then that's fine. It is what it is. I can't, I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. Although I'm trying to do something about it. I'm, I'm really trying to get another mic around here because there's too many comics that were even five years into their career that weren't quite at the club touring level that they've been brought back down to where like I am. And that's not fair, you know? So COVID has literally fucked with everybody except for some people. All right, so this is something I did bring up a month ago, but I brought it back up to a friend of mine the other night, and he's like, dude, that's crazy. Why don't you talk about that on stage? And I think eventually I will. And this, again, is shitting on myself and shitting on something that I have to deal with. But part of getting older, okay, is you start to get hairs that grow in places where hair shouldn't grow, you know? You know what I'm talking about. You know, I don't, I don't know if you can see on camera, but I'm not a very hairy guy. Okay? I have arm hair on my hair. Yeah, I have arm hair on my hair. Did, 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 did you hear what I just said? I have arm hair on my hair. I have hair on my arm, but it's not super... Um, man, I look really white in this light. And part of the reason is, that it's, like, it's like pitch dark out. Even though it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it's like pitch dark out. It's cloudy, it's rainy, it's cold, it sucks. So I got all the lights on in here, and it makes me look disturbingly white. But I promise you, I'm not this white. I am pretty tan. But I do have um, hair on my arms. It's been there since birth, right? But every now and then, you might turn over your uh, forearm, and in the middle of nowhere, you might have like a 3-inch hair growing you know, and it's like, where did that come from? And as you start to get older, those pop up more and more. You know, I, I know you've seen old men. They got the bushy eyebrows. They got fucking hairs, you know, five feet out of their nose. They got, you know, you know, they got hair growing out of their ears. I mean, there's just hair growing everywhere. And, uh, you know, I'm 42. I'm not at that age yet where I got, you know, the shit coming out of every which way. But what's happening is, is my eyelashes are growing a little too long in the, uh, in the outside of my uh, left eye. The eyelashes are growing too long. And when they grow too long, they end up growing 
and then doing a 180. And then the eyelash ends up poking me in the eyeball all day long. And it's like, whoa, there's no handbook for a man in his 40s on how to trim his eyelashes from poking him in the eyeball. How do you do it? I don't know. Not even my lady friends can tell me. Evidently, I'm the only human on the planet that has eyelashes that grow in a 180 and come back and poke myself in the eye. So I'm constantly like, oh, fuck, what is poking me in the eye? It's my eyelashes, dude. And it's like, okay, how the fuck do I trim my eyelashes, especially the ones that are literally right next to my eyeball? I get real close in the mirror with some little, like, you know, midget scissors. And I literally have a sharp, you know, scissor object a centimeter away from my eyeball. And if I slip, I'm going to lose my sight. I can't be the only one in the planet that has some rogue eyelashes that are poking me in the eyeball. So I'm asking anybody to please save me. How do women do it? How do I trim my fucking eyelashes so they're not poking me in the eyeball? And how do I do it without using scissors or a razor or uh, like, you know, one of those vibrating, you know, Norelco ones or whatever? How do I do it? Because if you ever shave like your uh, eyebrow, it's going to grow back like even messier and more hardcore. Once you start shaving something that's never been shaved before, like if I was to shave all the like hairs off my arm, they're gonna grow back like even thicker and bigger than they were, but I've never shaved my arms, never shaved my eyebrows off. But the second you start to shave something off like that, that has never been shaved before, it comes back crazy. So I know I can't shave my eye fucking lids off or my, or my eyelashes, because then they're gonna grow back even crazier. So how do you do it? Because I was literally in the mirror the other day with a little mini pair of scissors that are sharp as fuck right in the corner of my eye, a centimeter away from poking myself in the eyeball with a poker. Do you see the things that you gotta put up with? Nobody put this in the cliff notes. When I was in a big rush to become 20 and 21 and 30 and all that shit, nobody said that when you hit this age that you're going to start pissing 50 times a day, that you're going to have to wear a diaper, that you're going to lose your fucking head, that you're going to have to get up five times a night to piss, that you're going to have to get prostate exams and get regular checks for cholesterol and cancer and your bones are going to start to ache and your hair's going to fall out and to not look like an idiot, you're going to have to shave your head every day. This is what I deal with. It's called getting older. But this is the bill of sale that nobody tells you about when you're in a big rush to get older. But seriously, when you run into something like rogue eyelashes, where do you go? I googled it, can't find shit. I've asked girlfriends of mine. They don't have, they got these like crimper things that make their eyelashes look like pretty and shit. But there isn't any kind of an eyelash trimming device. What do I do? Am I the only one on the planet that has an eyelash that grows back into my eyeball and pokes me off the eye all day long? That must be the white privilege that hit me, right? <laughs> and let me remind you people, I'm a shit-talking comedian.
I say what I say in an attempt to get a rise out of you, make you laugh, and just because I might make light of the situation doesn't mean I take the situation lightly. Do you understand? Thank you. Okay. I think that's about it. Um, I was listening to last week's podcast because I do need to listen to it as a refresher, and I did tell you guys three quick things that I was going to talk about last week that I didn't get to that I was going to talk about on this week's podcast. However, we don't have enough time. I really... Okay, but here's what I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pick one. All right. I told you about children on an island. I, I literally just said that. I said next week we're going to talk about children on an island. What did I mean by that? I mean that children aren't born racist. They're not born with privilege. They're not born with uh, anything. All of those things are taught behaviors. So if you were to take a bunch of children that were still young enough to not have been influenced yet and put them on an island somewhere, every different race, sexuality, gender, and then you completely isolate them from us, humans, the virus, you go back to that island 20 years later and everybody on that island is going to be friends. Literally, literally not seeing a color, a sex, or a gender in each other. I guarantee it. Those are all taught things that we teach each other. So if you were to take kids, put them on an island, and separate them from our adult bullshit, they would all end up the most, like, progressive shit ever in racism, sexism, ageism, uh, all that stuff, homophobia. It wouldn't exist on that island of kids because they wouldn't be tuned in to our bullshit. You get that? It's a true story. I'm not saying we should do that with our children, but I'm saying everything that kids are or that we are, are learned. Racism, we're not born with it. Sexism, we're not born with it. Hatred, we're not born with it. It's taught, it's fostered. But the biggest thing I wanted to talk about from last week, and I promise this is going to be the last thing we talk about today, is the ability to self-reflect. Too often we blame others without actually thinking that maybe it had a little bit to do with us. I do it all the time. I'm quick to blame others. In too many times in my life, I've blamed others and then gone back, taken my head out of my ass, thought about it from a different light, put myself in their shoes, plays, uh, played devil advocate, and then realize, fuck, they weren't wrong, I was wrong. It is one of the most crucial human qualities to be able to have that, and certain people can't do it. Their egos are too big in their own head or their subconscious to allow themselves to say to themselves or to anybody else that they're wrong and that I fucked up. If you can't look in the mirror and see what you're doing wrong or, that it, or, or even come to the conclusion that it could have been your fault, then there's no hope for you. Your ego will not allow you to look in the mirror and see what you could be doing wrong instead of constantly blaming and shitting other people. And there's three stories I want to tell you that I think you can relate to that you may have gotten angry at before, which I used to, but I don't anymore because I realized they weren't the problem, I was. 
and I want to quickly tell you about that right now, okay? Um, the three things, the three stories that I'm trying to uh, tell you about is um, helping people. Two examples of helping people is, uh, you know, I live in an area that's got a lot of traffic near the Boston area, okay? So sometimes it can be really tough to pull out, especially if you're pulling out of a driveway or a certain street and there's a lot of traffic, nobody cares, everyone's just, you know? And a lot of the time I'm that guy that's gonna stop and put my life on hold for two minutes so one car can pull out the opposite direction. And I do that because I'm a nice guy and I understand how hard it is to pull into traffic. But yet I used to lose my mind if I did that for somebody and I didn't get any kind of a wave from them acknowledging that I helped them. I used to get angry. I always go out of my way to hold the door for people, whether I'm walking into a hospital or a gas station. It doesn't matter if there's somebody 15 feet behind me or 150 feet. I will hold the door every single time. And the majority of the time when I do that for people, I get, hey, thanks, or, that was great. But a lot of times when I go out, go out of my way to help people or hold the door for them, they'll ghost me. Like I didn't just do that. Like they didn't even literally pick up on the fact that I went out of my way. And then I used to get pissed off. And then I stopped and I said, wait a minute, why am I getting pissed off when I do something nice because I don't get recognition or a thank you. That doesn't make sense. And then when I came to that conclusion, I said, holy shit, am I being nice just because I'm looking for that thank you attention? Or am I being nice just to be nice? Because if I'm being nice to be nice, I shouldn't be getting pissed off if people say thank you or they wave or not, but I was. And when I made that connection in my mind, I stopped getting road rage and I stopped getting mad at people who don't thank me because literally that's not why I'm helping somebody pull out in the traffic. That's not why I'm helping an old lady with her groceries. That's not why I'm holding the door for somebody. I'm holding it because that's the way I was raised. That's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be part of the solution. I want to be helpful. So there's no reason for me to get angry if somebody doesn't appreciate what I've done for them. That's on me. And I've let that happen too many times in my life. And now that I look at it, I realize, holy shit, that was all my fault. All of it. In this lesson of self-reflection and not being so quick to judge and blame others can literally be applied to anything in your life. Politics, religion, whose life matters. Listen to both sides, remove your head from your ass, look at it from different angles, get different opinions, different perspectives, read something you wouldn't normally read and look at it. And then you can say whether you like it or dislike it. But I was too quick to be like, F you, why F you? Because they didn't take the time to say thank you? That makes me the asshole, not them. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm the asshole here. I had no reason to get pissed off at those people just because they didn't thank me because that's not why I was doing it was for the thank you. So I don't let that stuff bother me anymore. Um, what was the other thing? Getting angry when you don't get away for thanking people or holding the door for somebody. 
or literally anything, but I wrote down here that it's extremely important to note that this self-reflection can be applied to any part of your life. Not worrying about stuff, you know, questioning things that don't make sense, which I do all the time. I'm fascinated by human behavior and I'm fascinated when humans do something that makes no sense to me. And then I want to know why they did it. I want to be able to rationalize in my head why they do or think what they think when it fascinates me because literally I don't get it. Um, so you have to ask questions, man. You have to do some investigating. Uh, question authority. You know, if shit doesn't add up, do some math. You know, question everything you've been told or shown because a lot of it is a lie. Is it real? How do you know? Well, you know because there's ways out there to know and investigate it. But don't listen to the shit and don't, you know. So hopefully you understand that. Hopefully hopefully you understood that metaphor. It's not even a metaphor, it's just a real story. Too often in my life I get triggered or frustrated at other people in my life when the reality was, is it was me with too high expectations for my friends or expecting a thank you all the time or needing that thank you. But when, you, when I dove into it more, I realized a lot of the shit I was getting pissed off at was because of me, not them. And you have to be a strong motherfucker to be able to look yourself in the mirror and look a camera in the face and admit to the world that a lot of the time in my past when I've gotten angry at friends or family, it wasn't your fault, it was mine. And everybody needs to be able to have that ability to be able to check themselves, look in the mirror and say, is there anything I'm doing to contribute or cause this problem? And I guarantee if you have that ability, you're gonna find more often than not that it was your fault. But it's okay, because now that I've examined it and now that I did an investigation and I know who to arrest, in which case me, I know where I fucked up and I won't do it again. How do we learn if we don't fuck up? I fucked up multiple times, got angry at people in my life and out of my life when I didn't need to get angry at them, that I woke up to the fact I was doing it on my own accord, checked myself, and now I've improved my life and made it better. It made the people's lives around me better because I don't hold them to such a high standard anymore and get pissed off or take it personally like I used to. Do you understand this metaphor? It starts with me in my head. And until you fix you and in what's in your head, you can't go out there and accomplish anything else. It starts in every one of us. It's a mindset. If you put on glasses that make you see racism everywhere you look, then you're going to see the world as racist. When you put on glasses that make you see the world as everything being shit, doom, and gloom, then that's what you're going to see. It's a mindset you put yourself in. But when you put yourself in the mindset every day when you wake up that this is our one chance on the planet, every day that goes by, we inch closer to our death. We're never going to get another chance at August 20-whatever, 2020. It's the last time it's ever going to happen. Live every day accentuate the positive things in your life. Ignore the negative things. 
I've experienced hatred and unhappiness, and I've experienced love and happiness. And I can tell you unequivocally, I'm all about love and happiness over hatred and despair. And that's how I choose to live my life, is by being happy and focusing on happy thoughts and happy things. It doesn't mean I'm going to be ignorant to the bad things that are out there. You know, I have the philosophy right now that I'm hoping for the best and I'm praying for the best, but I'm also preparing for the absolute worst. Because if the worst happens, I ain't going out like that with my, literally with my dick in my hand. But if everything works out great, then great, no problem. But I'm gonna prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And I certainly hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast on some level. If it helped fill up you know, your day, or it helped entertain you for fucking fantastic. But anyways, this has been another edition of the Views from the John the Podcast, episode number 47. We'll be back next week with episode number 48, which will also happen to be our one-year anniversary. The first week of October in 2019 is when I did my first podcast, and I opened up, uh, and I started my YouTube channel. So next week, it'll be one year. Not quite at episode 50 like I planned, but next week's episode, episode 48, will literally be my one-year anniversary of having a YouTube platform, a podcast, and a stand-up comedy career, even though it's extremely young career, right? So uh, anyways, I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, the progression I've made since podcast one to podcast 47. Join me next week for podcast 48 when I'm going to do something special. I don't know. Maybe I'll take my clothes off and show you my cock. I don't know. We're going to get nutty, okay? But just remember to tune in next week for episode 48 and the one-year anniversary of John Ayres and the Views from the John podcast, Reality Drip Productions, Reality Drip Comedy Troupe, all that shit. We're celebrating one year and... Uh, it's pretty fun to look back on how far I've come in, you know, in one year. It hasn't been easy, but it's been a hell of a ride, and I've had a great time doing it. So hopefully you guys are having a great summer. It's nearly over, so get out there and enjoy it. Live life. Be happy. Don't worry. Be ha Don't worry. Be happy. That's it, man. Be like Bobby McFerrin, man. Don't worry. Be happy. Life is short. Don't live it in fear and pain, man. Just go out there, have a great fucking time, and let your neighbor live, even if you don't like him, right? Okay, it's the best advice I can give you. Again, this has been John Ayres. We will see you guys next week. Peace.